And the, yes, the, the prophet Isaiah was speaking of a time here that was to his future from his perspective of uh, the coming of Jesus, his birth. Um, but also in here, he's speaking to something that is yet to come even for us now, uh, when sin and darkness will finally be completely overpowered uh, and destroyed, and Christ will reign in righteousness and perfection for forever. Um, so before we get like, really into this, let's, let me just kind of open this in prayer here. God, glory be to your name in the highest. Lord, we thank you for what this season means for us, uh, our coming Savior. Um, Lord, we give all the glory to you uh, for, for taking on flesh, coming down to this earth, uh, and taking on our sin, telling them that you didn't deserve it all. God, I pray that as we, as we dig into this passage today, uh, I pray that you help me to speak clearly and uh, the people here to understand clearly um, what this means, uh, the weight that it carries for us. Uh, and God, again, just glory be to your name in the highest. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, <clears throat> so for a little historical context here, Isaiah, again, was writing... Uh, this prophecy from God over 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Um, and at this time in Israel, it was, it was actually split into two kingdoms. Uh, the northern kingdom, which was still called Israel, and then a southern kingdom was called Judah. Um, and things have been going pretty well politically in Judah, and, like politically and economically uh, for a while. They had had several good God-fearing kings in a row. Um, but as we see in Second Chronicles 27.2, referring to that time, um, it says about Israel that the people still behaved corruptly. Uh, so things were about to change for the worst uh, for this people. Uh, and since God's people had not been like, following after him, um, they, they were just being disobedient to the things God had instructed them and just in the ways to live. Um, so he was going to be allowing them to go through some pretty dark times coming up here. Um, Isaiah 1, 4 says, O sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, brood of evildoers, depraved children. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on Him. Uh, then in chapter 8, um, right before where we start here, uh, it says specifically the Assyrians uh, would be coming down um, and overtaking them. Um, so, yeah, as judgment, God was going to be allowing this powerhouse kingdom um, in that day to be coming down, attacking them, overtaking them, and even just taking them captive. Uh, so just as we've seen in our study of James in our small groups on Wednesday nights, um, God does allow these things to happen. It wasn't that um, God was doing this, but he was allowing them to kind of reap what they had sown there. Uh, they had not been obedient to him. Um, so he was kind of le letting the floodgates open and let their enemies overtake them for a, for a time. Um, and we see this kind of repeatedly through history um, for Israel. Um, they, they go through times of disobedience, and then they go through, through judgment. Um, and then right before where we started, um, sorry. Um, so yeah, but, uh, so things are looking pretty, pretty grim and dark. Uh, for the Israelites at this point, uh, but immediately after, uh, right before where we started, so in verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 1, um, 
It says, nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to the Galilee of the nations. Um, and if you want to turn with me um, to Matthew chapter 4, uh, verses 12 uh, through 17, uh, this passage is actually referenced in Jesus' time um, here in Matthew. Uh, it says, when he, Jesus, uh, heard that John, John the Baptist, had been arrested, which he was arrested for preaching about the coming Messiah. Uh, when he had been arrested, he, Jesus withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to, f- this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the road by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light, and for those living in the land of, sh- of the shadow of death, a light has, been, has dawned. And from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. So here, hundreds of years after these words from Isaiah, these tiny details of what he said were being fulfilled uh, through Jesus. Uh, so now finally back to the passage where we actually read today, um, and we see this great light overtaking the darkness. Um, And Jesus repeatedly describes himself um, and is described by by others, um, his disciples, in terms of light. Uh, In John 8, 12, it says, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And also, neither does this light struggle to overcome the darkness. It wasn't a a struggle, a fight uh, that happened over time. says uh, in John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Uh, And also thinking about this light, I'm I'm reminded of, like the first time we hear about light in the Bible, in Genesis, um, just those first few verses of Scripture. It says, God says, let there be light, and there was light. Uh, And then he separated the light from the dark, which is, you know, a concept we can't really understand, light not being separated from darkness. Um, but you know that that's because of God, and also um, the light of Christ uh, cannot be mixed with our darkness of sin. Um, so now here at the birth of Jesus, um, just like in creation, um, God is speaking the light of the world, Jesus Christ, into the world, um, and this light just comes with joy and rejoicing for us. Um, So we as Christians are also called in Scripture to be the light in the world, to reflect Christ. Um, Again, back to Matthew 5, um, verses 14 through 16. It says, talking about us as Christians, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. So we are, we are called to reflect Christ, to be that light um, that, he, that he brought, that he spoke into this world um, and to reflect that into this dark world that we still uh, live in. There's a lot, still a lot of darkness and sin um, in this world. Um, which, you know, us reflecting Christ and being that light of Christ reminds me of... Uh, of Moses uh, when he went up on Mount Sinai um, 
and was communing with God for a long period of time and, and getting the, the Ten Commandments that he brought back down to his people, um, he actually asked God to, to see him. Uh, and God said, you know, you, you, as a man, you can't see me. It would, it would kill you. Um, but he allows him to kind of sit in this kind of crack in, this, in the mountain and, and see God pass by quickly, just the back of him. Um, and then after that, when, when Moses comes back down to the Israelites, his face is glowing, um, which I don't think any of us have ever seen that physically happen to us because none of us have ever had that kind of physical um, communion with God. None of us have ever seen him uh, because we, we can't yet, not in our, um, our fallen state here on this earth. Um, but spiritually, I think we should, we should be that way. When we commune with God, when we are you know, in prayer, we are really connecting with God, uh, being obedient to Him, our spirits should, should shine that light. Um, and people should notice it. It stands out, like, like people seeing Moses' face glowing. That's, that's kind of weird. Uh, and that may be how we're referred to sometimes, too. Um, but yeah, it should stand out. Um, so then after this, um, after this great light, we see that's dawning on the people um, in, in their darkness. Isaiah begins describing a time of joy and victory. Uh, so listen to these statements that were there uh, in Isaiah. You have enlarged the nation, increased its joy. They rejoice as when dividing spoils. He shattered their oppressive yoke and the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. And we'll come back to that, uh, that statement there on the day of Midian in just a minute. Um, but, you know, those statements are, are starkly different uh, from what we have just read, that God was going to be allowing them to go into uh, a very dark time because of the darkness of their sin. Uh, and this imagery here just gives us this feeling of victory as in battle. Um, all those like words, those descriptive words there kind of gives you that, that feeling of like warriors celebrating together after, after winning a battle, uh, dividing up trophies and loot uh, from the land they have just conquered. Um, so as you can imagine, Israel um, is applying this literally to their current bad situation. Uh, they thought this Messiah that was being foretold was going to show up on the scene as this great warrior and defeat their enemy, the Assyrians. Um, and then a few hundred years later, in the time of Jesus, uh, the Assyrians weren't really so much a factor, uh, but Rome, the Romans were uh, the, the empire at the time. So they, they were still expecting the Messiah to show up on the scene and take down the right, Roman tyranny. Uh, in reality, as we, as we often do uh, when interpreting God's words, they, they were being a little bit short-sighted. They, like, understandably, were unable to see God's words from God's perspective. Uh, from that eternal perspective. Uh, but they, they really weren't meant to fully grasp this at the time. Uh, they were meant to understand, to rely on God, um, and that he had their best interest in mind long term. Um, and, you know, this, we do the same thing. Uh, just like we can't always fully understand um, God's ways. Uh, Later uh, in Isaiah, it actually kind of speaks to this in chapter 55. Uh, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
So now going back to that verse 4, I said we were going to go back to uh, just as you did on the day of Midian. That's a, a really cool like, reference back to a guy in Judges. Sorry I'm doing a lot of like, jumping around here to like, lots of different parts of the Bible, but like, this just all, oh, it fits together. You know, that's, that's how we're meant to see it. Um, you know, looking at just this passage, we can be seeing like, like a star like, at night, uh, but seeing it all together is like seeing the, the constellation or the whole of the sky. Um, but going back to that guy in, in Judges um, named Gideon, uh, this was another time where God's people were yet again taken captive by their enemy, who at that time were uh, the Midianites. Um, God, had, God had Gideon assemble this like, small like, army, if you will, uh, of only 300 men um, who would attack the Midianite army, which was thousands in size. Um, and, and this wasn't out of, um, they didn't have enough people, and 300 was all they could muster. Um, Gideon had actually gathered together a much larger army, um, and God weaned them down um, to this, this small 300, which, you know, just thinking about it strategically, that was not going to be enough to take down this Midianite army. Um, but that was going to allow them to, to trust in God, uh, to have faith in Him that, that He was going to get them, them past this. Um, so then God, you know, He, he assembled this small army um, and then told them, to carry a pitcher um, with, uh, with a torch inside of it and in one hand and a horn in the other. And that's all they had. They didn't have bows, swords, even shields, it says. Um, but, but that's all they had. Uh, so then they, they snuck into the camp of the Midianites in the middle of the night while they're all sleeping um, and shattered their, uh, their pitchers, which then revealed this light of the torch and started blowing their horns. Um, and that sudden light startled the Midianites, who then jumped up, and mostly they all killed each other. So they're, they're just like standing there watching the Midianites just, just massacre each other, and the ones that were left fled, fled away, uh, resulting in victory for the Israelites without, without ever drawing a sword. Um, it's just it's such a like, crazy story. Um, but then like, also thinking about it in terms of like, that as like, imagery for Jesus. Um, Jesus was that light, that sudden light in this dark world um, that I imagine startled Satan and his kingdom of darkness here. Um, and in response to that light of the world that Jesus is called, um, Satan draws his evil weapon of death against Jesus, which in turn destroyed his own kingdom, causing it to just implode on itself. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So not, on, not only do we get to rejoice in this like victory of our Savior over Satan's kingdom of darkness and over our bondage of sin, but we also get a perfect new king that will reign for eternity. Every form of government, you know, if you look back through history, uh, has tried to make a better society uh, in the world, in their nation, um, even maybe a utopia was the plan. Um, but looking back, we've not seen any of those times actually succeed. You know, some have done better than others, sure, but um, we are all, it's all been corrupted by the sinful heart of man. Um, so here in Isaiah, we see that we have something coming that is so much better than, than any government that we can rely on 
to make things better. Um, sure, we can, we can try to rely on uh, a political figure, a leader, but if they're a sinful man, any, anyone but Jesus Christ, we're going, we're going to be disappointed. Uh, but we are going to have a ruler who will reign forever over a prosperous and peaceful realm. So what will this new king be like? Uh, we can look at, at Jesus and, and see what he is like, but uh, he's also described here uh, by Isaiah in four titles, uh, each describing both his humanity and his deity. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And, and Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful kind of alludes to the signs and wonders that we saw in Jesus' life. Um, in the way in his healings and many miracles, um, and counselor, alluding to his his wisdom beyond far beyond our understanding. Mighty God. Mighty, mighty applies implies great strength and power, like a like a warrior king there to defend us. And then God, obviously, his, describes his deity, his sovereignty and his omnipotence. The fact that he is all-powerful. Eternal Father, I mean, Father, I mean, should, in a perfect world, should give us, you know, feelings of, of love and authority, like an earthly father. I know we may not all have good fathers, uh, but we can have a good father, the good father. Um, and then the eternal part of that means he's not bound by a short life like the many kings that Israel had. They had good kings, but they passed and were followed by bad kings. Uh, his love and power will always be. The Prince of Peace. He will reign and give us peace in this victory that no other leader uh, has been able to accomplish in all of history. So what will this, this kingdom of his be like? Uh, it says its prosperity will never end. I mean, how's that for like prosperity gospel? That's a you know a thing that's a, a false gospel uh, going around in the world now. Um, but this, this is so much better than that. Uh, we know that in this life, just in in the lives of the Israelites, there's going to be ups and downs, uh, times of faithfulness in our lives, and times of temptation, times of rejoicing, and times of sorrow. But because of Jesus, we have seen a great light. The government will be on his shoulders and his dominion will be vast. In the long run, King Jesus will reign forever on his throne with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this hope and the future that you've given us. Um, that this dark world is not, it's not all that we have. There's so much more to look forward to. Um, and you have, in the long run, you have defeated this kingdom of darkness. And God, I, th I thank you that you allow us not to boast in our own abilities, uh, in our own selves, uh, because our own selves could not get us out of this darkness, out of this sin. Uh, but you came and in such a crazy way died to save us to defeat sin. But then it didn't stop there. You resurrected 
and will be our sovereign king forever. Glory paid to your name. In your name we pray. Amen. As we move into uh, this is a time of uh, of communion and a time.